0: according to Mark, chapter 8. Glory, Glory to, you, to you, O Lord. Lord. Jesus went on with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi, and on the way he asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? And they answered him, John the Baptist, and others Elijah, and still others, one of the prophets. He asked them, but who do you say that I am? Peter answered him, you are the Messiah, the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Please be seated. Grace and peace to you from God our Father in heaven and the Lord Jesus Christ, Amen. So you know I have four kids, and they're always losing things. Just last night, three-year-old Jacob was looking all over the house for a little piece to a toy, and he's dumping all the toy boxes and digging in his closet and throwing things everywhere and he just could not find what he was looking for so i guess it's like father like son i lost my wallet this week Ugh, it's the worst and i haven't felt like myself and it must be because my personal information is just floating out there in the world somewhere and i'm without identification so i keep i keep patting my back pocket no wallet there just my backside i don't know what to do my mother would tell me nothing is lost in the eyes of god she's right (laughs) i still have my wallet we hear this story of king josiah it's a story of lost and found i have to confess these long historical narratives not my favorite parts of of bible uh but there's so many names and the stories get drawn out and over many chapters, tales of war and violence and obeying and disobeying. My brain just glazes over sometimes. So I hope you're tracking you hear the story of 2 Kings telling this history of the people of Israel. Judah and King Josiah, who reigned at a particularly difficult time. This was the late 7th century after uh After the northern kingdom had been destroyed and the the southern kingdom of Judah was hanging on, barely, a kind of a territory of Assyria, although their power was kind of on the wane, the people had lived under kings who had led them to worship foreign gods. There was confusion and disorder at times. Some of the kings were good, like Hezekiah. Some were much worse. Manasseh was the grandfather of Josiah. He was the one that seemed to hide away the book of the law. And he lifted up idols and astral worship and magic, witchcraft, even sacrificed his own son. Whatever would keep the powerful Assyrians happy, he did. Our text today lifts up his grandson, Josiah, as one of the best kings ever. He's from King David's family. Maybe one of those shoots coming up from that stump of Jesse. There's hope. He takes the throne at just age eight. After his father was killed by his own servants. Young Josiah takes on this task of repairing the temple in Jerusalem. And he goes into the temple and he finds that all the money that the priests had collected from the people. And he says, give it to the workers. Give them everything they need to get this job done. Spare no expense. We're repairing the temple. He's a faithful king. He was going to center worship again in the temple for the people. And while the work is going on, the workers come out and they go, King, we found... A book the book of the law we know it as Deuteronomy in our Hebrew Bible how could it have been lost for so long I don't know but good King Josiah upon hearing the word is convicted he tears his clothes he repents and he heard something in that word that made him see things in a new way Paul writes in Romans about this chapter 3 through the law comes knowledge of sin josiah repents he knew their past was catching up with them the people the priests the rulers they had forgotten their story the kings didn't lead faithfully the priests didn't preach the story the people couldn't read it josiah's only hope was to help the people turn back to god even at this late hour to focus on the word that they had rediscovered and live the story But before acting on uh, this discovery of the book of the law, Josiah takes it to a female prophet, Huldah, to ask her, to ask God what they should do next. And she tells Josiah that God is going to bring wrath against Judah, but that he would die peacefully before it happened. So we're not sure exactly how Josiah died. He was young. It might have been in battle. But what is known that in the decades to follow, Babylon would come and The rulers and the elites at first, and then the people after that would be taken into exile. The temple would be destroyed. So it's not so simple as obey and be blessed, disobey and be cursed. Josiah ends up being this kind of prophet king, telling the people what they should do, trying to turn the people back to the Lord, and eventually dying in the faith prior to the fall of the southern kingdom. But even in his short life, this word inspires Josiah to be transformed. He would reinstitute the practice of faithful worship by the same often violent means by which it was destroyed. The local worship sites to idols, they were pulled down. Altars to other gods were broken to pieces. Idolatrous priests cut down. The people would worship the Lord again. And learn their true identity as God's people. For centuries, Israel had trusted in this king to lead them. Some were terrible. Some were okay. But it was the word of God that had the real power all along. And so I'm wondering, and this was a question that I was asked in seminary, what authority do we give to God's word in our lives? Think about that. If you were to make a timeline over here, it's like it's a good idea. And over here, it's like it's the way I live my life. Where are you on that timeline? What authority do you give to the word? Rolf Jacobson writes about the word being locked away in the temple by the high priests. During Luther's time, it was locked away from the average person who couldn't read Latin. In our time, it's often locked up by chains of dust on our tables and shelves. How do we stay connected to our story in scripture? We have to engage it. We have to read it. We have to hear it in worship. We have to live it in our homes. Share it with our children. One of the latest uh, online trends, if you've seen it this week, is posting a photo of yourself from 10 years ago. 2009 next to a current picture. 2019. Have you seen that? I guess nostalgia is high as we get ready to uh, enter a new decade. Ten years ago, I was getting ready to enter seminary. Ivy and I had come to this decision that we would move to Iowa in the summer of 2010. It was exciting. It was scary, too. We were nervous, but faithful, trusting it was the word that was calling us to ministry. Forty-nine years ago, the church witnessed the ordination of Elizabeth Platts, the first woman to be ordained by a Lutheran church body in North America, the LCA. I can't imagine the struggles she would have faced, but I know that she must have been certain that this word, this same word, was calling her. And it was the help of many others, too, that led her to that place. The word transforms us, speaks to us, calls our hearts, changes us. So here we are on Christ the King Sunday, the last day of the church year. The day we remember it is the living word of God that we encounter here in worship. It's a word that might be confusing at times. It might be difficult. It might be boring. It might be hard to follow. But when we hear it, it changes us. It It reforms us to live as God's people. To exalt Jesus, the incarnate and living word of God, as the highest power in our lives, in our world. To put anything, anything above that is to fall into the same sin as those who would lock that word up, hide it away. Not just for ordained pastors and deacons. No matter the work we do, to live the story means that we get to see our lives through the lens of God's story. And find our identity in the love and grace of god we live the story when we remember to see the face of christ in each neighbor we're living it when we forget ourselves and seek to uplift the other we don't always get it right do we so we're still living the story when we repent of the ways that we failed to put god first in our lives that's part of the story too When we come to the table and receive the means of grace here, we are living the story. We live the story when we go and tell of the good things God has done in our lives. And when we remind someone else that Jesus is near in their time of need. When we forgive. And when we remind each other of God's promises in baptism. You are sealed by the Holy Spirit and marked with the cross of Christ forever that's who we are children of the king claimed in baptism sealed by the same spirit marked by that same cross this word reminds us daily calls us claims us the word is never lost we don't have a king right so maybe sometimes that imagery is lost on us but we can still get that kings had power to lead by decrees To build up and tear down, to lead with wisdom and justice, or to enrich themselves and their family members, to lead people into battle, or to make peace. The people didn't have a choice about whether to follow the king. The king ruled no matter what. So the same question that Jesus asked the disciples, who do you say that I am, is one we still consider thousands of years later is jesus a good idea to cheer us when we're down is jesus the team we cheer for against others who follow a different team or is jesus the living god the word ruling with truth and grace for the whole universe something to think about every day it's true that Christ is not like those other kings. He didn't ride triumphantly into battle to turn away the evildoers. He forgave them from the cross and died for the sake of the world. He didn't bury his enemies and conquer cities, but was laid in a tomb. He didn't overthrow the empire from the back of a donkey, but rose from the grave in glory and ascended to heaven doesn't send soldiers to conquer, but sends us, the Holy Spirit, to live in our hearts and to lead us in the way of humble service for our neighbors. The risen Christ rules in our hearts when we live this story of faith. It's the one passed down to us from parents and grandparents, teachers and pastors and friends and neighbors, and it might seem hidden to us at times, but it is never lost. Christ is never far from us. The word is never lost to us. It is always near in times of trial. And this king doesn't seek power or wealth, but peace and joy, reconciliation, renewal, reformation. This word is powerful and is always still transforming us, making us ready for the coming of the kingdom in our lives.